James 4, verses 2 through 4. Hallelujah. I want to welcome all the visitors to RCC today. Amen. All right. Verses 2 through 4. Let's get into this. It says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Pretty tough stuff, huh? Now go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's take a peek at verses 6 through 9. See what the word says here. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Hallelujah. Today, the Lord has put upon my heart this week. I want to talk about the prayerless Christian. I want to talk about the prayerless Christian and specifically things that a prayerless Christian forfeits for the kingdom of God, for them personally, and of course, for the work of God. So let's talk a little bit about this. See, some would say that surely God's not limited by our prayers. He'll do whatever he wants, anytime he wants. I mean, you, we've all heard that. I mean, at one point, we had probably once believed that, if you don't believe it now. But that belief contradicts many passages in the Word of God. Many passages. Well, if God wants to do it, he'll just do it. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anyone to do anything. He'll, he'll just do it. End of story. Boom. You know what it is? And it, it's an excuse for laziness. It's an excuse to be spiritually lazy. But many Christians have this view of the kingdom of God, and they... Come on, they're more of a hindrance to the kingdom of God rather than a fellow worker like what this scripture says. God's looking for fellow workers. Are you hearing me? Not for just us to sit on our tails and do nothing. He's looking for fellow laborers, fellow workers on this earth. So in the wisdom of God, God has set up a system where he wanted to include mankind in his plan. And prayer is a huge part of that plan. Uh, the Bible says we are God's building because God is counting on us as Christians to release his authority on this earth. He's counting on us to release his authority. If you are a Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Did you know that? You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. You have God living on the inside of you. Now, you're not God. Say, I'm not God. New Age teaches that trash. We're not God. But if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, God lives in you. He, the Word of God says, you, as a Christian, 
You are God's building. So where you go, God goes. What you watch on TV, God's watching on TV. Oh, you know, just, just put that in your memory bank next time you turn that channel to something. But, so last week I talked about the Christian's power and authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. And prayer fits right in to the category of our authority as a Christian. All right? Uh, we as Christians have been given authority through the blood of Jesus Christ to approach the throne of God, the throne of grace, Hebrews says, boldly, Hebrews 4.16. It says we are to come boldly to the throne of God. Boldly. Not timidly. Boldly. But listen to me now. But you cannot, I cannot come boldly to the throne of God, the throne of grace, as the Word of God says, without making the decision to confess, repent, and forsake your sin. That's why there's boldness lacking in many Christians' lives. Because they're holding on to sin in their lives. So they, you know, they of course feel so beaten down, the conscience is, is constantly eating at them, and, and, and of course the devil, you know, the devil and evil spirits always want to get a word in edgewise and say you're no good, God doesn't want you. So what happens? There's no boldness there. But, you know, but David understood something, that when he sinned, he ran back to God. He ran back to him. We need to run back and we need to confess we need to confess, repent, and forsake. Say confess, confess, repent, and forsake our sin. And when we do that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. All right? So, but a lot of people look at that scripture as, as just a ticket to sin. Oh, it's, oh, you know, come back to the throne of grace. Okay, well, I'll just keep doing this, and I'm just going to keep coming back. And it just becomes a lifestyle of sin, come back. Uh, sin, come back. Sin, come back. You know what I'm saying? There, there's never no, ch there's no change. But that's where repentance comes in. That's the change of mind that we need, and we can come boldly. And then our prayer life, we can have boldness in our prayer life. All right? I want you to remember something. There is no such thing. Hold on. Do you know what an oxymoron is? Uh-huh. It's like two words that are totally separate, like silent thunder. All right? That's an oxymoron. You want to know a Christian oxymoron? Cheap grace. Cheap grace. There is no such thing as cheap grace. You want to know why? Because it costs Jesus the death on the cross in shedding his precious blood. And it requires us to forsake our, all the worldly mindsets and sin in our life. There's no such thing as cheap grace. It was very expensive. It's very costly. Amen? Now, so prayer is extremely powerful. And Satan and evil spirits, they know that truth. Sad to say, Satan and evil spirits know that truth more than us Christians sometimes. Are you hearing me? They know that truth. So what do they do? They set traps in our lives to stop us from praying. Have you ever noticed that? Like I mentioned last week. I mean, you, you, you say, all right, I'm going to go and pray. You go in your bedroom. You shut the door. You're like, I'm going to pray. You get on your knees. You're, you're whatever. You're just walking around. You start to pray, and all of a sudden, 
man, a pizza sounds real good right now. Chinese? Yeah, that sounds great too. And so all these things just start bombarding you. Man, oh, I forgot to do this. Okay, you know, and you, you got to go do something. But Satan and evil spirits, they will set traps for you and I to hinder us in our prayer life. You know, it, it's called, you know those traps are called distractions. Distractions. And I'll tell you right now, we as Christians need to be spiritually alert enough to recognize when those distractions are coming our way. I'll tell you another one. How many of you ever found out that uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, great days. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, feels like all hell's breaking loose. Huh? Sunday morning, man. Whoa, man, I'll tell you, it's just a zoo. I mean, we can find every excuse not to come to church, can't we? Huh? I mean, why? Because Satan knows, man, I'm just going to put this trap here. This distraction here, this distraction. We need to be spiritually alert enough to recognize this. We need to recognize this thing. There's been some, uh, some people in the past who, who've called for help. You know, they wanted some, some help, financial help or something, you know. And, and, you know, a lot of people, when they do that, you know, they, uh, they just want, you know, free handouts and all that. And, and some people need that. But... You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just prick me to say, I'll be on the phone with him, I'll say, I'll tell you what, why don't you come Sunday, and then we'll do something for you. You never see him again. You, you never hear from him, you never see him again. Why? Satan doesn't want them here. Are you hearing me? And they'll forsake natural, help in the natural, and they give in to the distractions and traps of the devil. Are you hearing me? All right, it's getting quiet in here. Now, let's talk about the things that we forfeit in our lives when we refuse to pray as Christians. A prayerless Christian will fall into more temptation in their life. A prayerless Christian will fall into more temptation and, of course, sin in their life. Jesus taught us this in the Lord's Prayer. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you something here. This is serious. Prayer is extremely powerful. And I want to show you, just give you a couple points of things that we pass up when we don't do it. All right? All right, Matthew 6, 7 through 13. And when you pray, this, the words are in red, which means Jesus is doing the speaking. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. Hold on. That's kind of strange, isn't it? It says God already knows what we have need of before we ask Him. This is implying even though God knows what we need, we still need to ask. Why? Because we need to release our, His authority on this earth. Look at this. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if God could do anything he wants in the old time, why would Jesus give us that principle to say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Give us this day our daily bread. 
well, God knows that we need to eat, that we need all these natural things. But he's saying still ask. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, Jesus did not teach or preach something that didn't have any relevance. I mean, he didn't just say things just to waste words, just to fill in the blanks. Are you hearing me? He was giving us keys to a victorious prayer life, keys to a victorious life on this earth. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. He was giving us keys to a victorious prayer life. And a life of prayer will give you and I strength to overcome sin and temptation. It will. It will. That, that's a kingdom principle. The Word of God says that the steps of a good man or a good person are ordered by the Lord. But to have your steps ordered by the Lord means that you must be in fellowship with Him in prayer. Come on now. And his word needs to be hidden in your heart, as Brother Scott. Scott didn't know this, but this is one of the scriptures that I'm mentioning today. That's the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 119.11, the psalmist said, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. That's powerful. So now, a prayerless Christian will not fill himself or herself with the word of God. Because... Someone who doesn't pray, I guarantee you this. Someone who doesn't pray, there will be absolutely no hunger in their heart for the Word of God. No hunger at all in their heart to to read the Word of God, to feed on the Word of God. Your prayerlessness, my prayerlessness, allows our fleshly desires to overpower our born-again spirit as a Christian. Did you catch that? It's getting kind of spooky in here. It's so quiet. Man, I think I can hear my heart beating up here. All right, just stay with me. As a prayerless Christian, you will not bear fruit in your life. And because you won't bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, you will not glorify Jesus or your Heavenly Father. Go to John 14. Let me show you this. John 14 you know, it would be good for some people who, who attend this church, this is your home church, or, or even wherever you live. I'll do something outside of the church in, in, during the week or a Friday night, Saturday night. Have a prayer party. Amen. Have people over from the church, have fellowship, and just all get into prayer. When I, I, man, those are so cool. I mean, when, when I first got born again, the church over on the east side of the state where I went, we had that people, you know, we'd go over people's houses, and we would just crank up praise and worship music, lift our hands, we'd just start praying, praying in tongues, praying in, in English. The house would be filled with the glory cloud. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Powerful. John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. This is Jesus speaking. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, Jesus said. Now, to ask for something in the name of Jesus. Did you notice that? Did you notice it said, whatever you ask in my name? Did you catch it? Whatever you ask in my name. What in the world does this mean now? Well, before I get there, go to John 15. John 15, 7 and 8, I want to show you this here. This will, this will kind of clear it up a little bit more here. It says, Jesus said, if you, the Christian, abide in me or continue in me, stay with me, fellowship with me, continue in fellowship with me, and my words abide in you, and my words abide in you, the word of God, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples, or followers, or learners, the word disciple means. To ask for something in the name of Jesus means that your desires, your prayers are in line with the word of God. That's what it means. To ask for something in the name of Jesus means that your desires, your prayers, that which you are seeking after, that which you're praying for, is exactly in line with the will of God, in the word, the word of God. It means that your desires are birthed out of you abiding in Christ, fellowshipping with him every day, and his word abiding in you every day. So, don't think that you can just ask for something contrary to the word of God or will of God and tack on the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. Right? How many, how many of you thought, I, I used to think that's what it meant, that <laughs> whatever you ask in my name, well, great, uh, God, give me blah, 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 something so carnal and worldly, something that would probably take me down the wrong, wrong road in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, all right, great. Hallelujah. Boy, that was easy, isn't it? Just tacking that on at the end, huh? But that's not what it means at all. Go to 1 John. 1 John, way at the end of the word. 1 John, chapter 5. I told you this guys before this before, but I when I worked at the Abundant Life Prayer Group at Oral Roberts University on the prayer hotline, I actually had a lady call me and wanting to wanted me to pray for her so that she would get a divorce from her husband and be able to hook up with another guy. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I'm saying? Stupid. Stupid. Stupid stuff. First John. Five, <laughs> that, that's, that's major ignorance there. First <laughs> uh, John 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, 
if we ask anything according to his will or his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, now that's not just talking here. God's, God can hear you say something that's not even, that's not talking about just hearing, it's talking about he's going to answer this thing here. Are you hearing me? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Listen, we can, we can only have confidence in our prayer life. We can only have confidence if we pray according to God's word, according to God's will. And if you and I are abiding in Christ, his will will be our will. Did you catch that? If we're abiding in Christ, his desires will be our desires. So it won't have to be a guessing game. I, that is, so many Christians get frustrated in life. Uh, you know, they go, well, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't know what to do in life. I don't know what to pray for. You know what? Try hooking up with the vine, the true vine, Jesus Christ. Plug into the, your life source, Jesus. And out of that fellowship is going to come the wisdom. Out of that fellowship, he's going to reveal his will for your life. Are you hearing me? Now, uh, so that's when we can truly pray and stand in faith, knowing we have the, position, uh, the petitions we've asked of him. Because, listen to me, when we pray according to the word of God, we as Christians are simply coming in agreement with what God already promised us. Some of you are saying, well, if he already promised us, why do we have to pray? That's the way he made it. <laughs> Well, he knows what we have need of before we ask. In other words, he knows what we need, but we still need to ask. Are you hearing me? Are, are you kind of catching on to this here? That we, it's not time to get lazy. So when we are abiding in Christ, pr finding out what the Word says on certain topics and issues and feeding on the Word, our desires line up with his desires. Our heartbeat is in proportion with his heartbeat. And when we go to our prayer closet, when we go to our prayer closet, when we pray, when we seek the Lord, we're simply just coming into agreement with what he already promised. So that's, doesn't that simplify it a little bit more for you? See, it's, it's not just a, a shot in the dark kind of a thing. We can have confidence in our prayers. We can walk away knowing that our prayers are going to be answered. So when you find scriptures to stand on, to back your prayers, we, you know, we should walk away from our prayer closet with joy and expectation in our hearts. And if you don't, if, if you can't walk away from your prayer closet with joy and expectation, that means maybe you missed the mark in your prayer life. Are you hearing me? Maybe, maybe you're not plugged into the vine. Maybe you haven't been abiding in Christ. Are you hearing me? All right, now, so which leads me to the next point. A prayerless, a prayerless Christian will not have the fullness of joy that they could have. Go to John 16, 24. This kind of presses in even more on what I'm talking about. The words are in red. This is still Jesus talking about this. He said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, 
and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, God, everyone, a lot of people think that God just wants us to be uh, miserable our whole life. That he wants us to keep hitting our heads against the wall. No, Jesus said, you know, pray, connect with me, abide in me, stay connected with me in a relationship with me, Jesus says. And then when you go to your prayer life, your desires are going to line up with my desires. You can pray, ask for things that I've already promised you, things my blood already promised you. And then you can have joy. God wants us as Christians to be joyful. Joyful in him. Are you hearing me? Again, like I say, this, this scripture here is in the context of asking for things in the name of Jesus. According to Jesus' heartbeat. Jesus' desires. Amen? And this proves that true joy, true joy in life can only come from a holy life and intimate fellowship with the Lord. Did you find that out yet in your life? That anything the world has to offer apart from Jesus Christ is temporary and vain. Did you find that out yet? Only true joy and peace can come through Jesus Christ. But Satan and evil spirits are doing a tremendous job blinding people of that fact are you hearing me when your desires are pure and based on the word of god only then true joy and peace will come into your life now a prayerless christian will forfeit some of god's protection and deliverance in their lives and in the lives of others go to second corinthians 1 2 Corinthians 1. So you can see, just so far, these are pretty important things that we can just let pass by in our lives, right? These are some pretty heavy-duty things that we need to live a victorious life on this earth. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 here. Oh, let's see. Yeah, here it is. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. He's talking about the persecution that he was enduring because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. How many of you in here feel dead today? How many know God can raise you up? Hallelujah. All right. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Here it is, verse 11. You also helping together in prayer for us. That thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. The Apostle Paul was encouraging the Corinthian Christians to continue to pray for him to be delivered from dangerous situations. He said in verse 11, you also helping together, helping together, helping together, helping together 
in prayer for us. This shows us a very important principle in the kingdom of God. You ready for this? You may not be called to the fivefold ministry, fivefold full time ministry. Listen, but your prayers for those of us who are in the full time, fivefold ministry are just as important as the work that we accomplish. Amen. Did you hear me? In 1 in Thessalonians 5.25, Paul simply tells the Thessalonians this, Brethren, pray for us. I like that, that thing that Jan put out on the table. Have you prayed for your pastor lately? I need your prayers. Every leader needs your prayers. Are you hearing me? What about Peter when he was in prison? Christians gathered together to pray for his deliverance. And as they were gathered together, right when they were praying, an angel came to Peter in the prison, tapped on his shoulder. He said, get out of here. An angel came and delivered him. Would that have happened if Christians didn't pray for Peter? The implication is, no, it would not. My question is, how much junk have we gone through in our lives? Needlessly, if we would have prayed for ourselves and for others. How much trash have you put up with in your life? Have I put up with? That was needless because of our prayerlessness, because of our lack to abide in Christ, because of our lack to live a holy life set apart for Jesus Christ on this earth. How about, I'm talking about prayer here, delivering yourself and others. How about Abraham when he interceded for Sodom? He said, God said, I'm going to destroy that place. It's evil. Abraham gets a cock. God, if you can find 50 people, 50 uh, righteous people, don't destroy it. God says, okay, if I find 50, I won't destroy it. There wasn't 50. Abraham said, God, if you can find 40. All right, all right, Abraham. If I find 40 righteous people, I will not destroy it. Then it went down to 30. It went all the way down to 10. God says, fine, 10 people. If I can find 10 righteous people, I'll spare this city. He couldn't find. For some reason, Abraham stopped at 10. The implication is there was a partnership there between God and man through prayer. Amen. Are you hearing me? There is a connection there the implication is, if he would have asked for more, the implication is, God would have listened to Abraham. Now, that, now that, that messes up a lot of bad theology out there. Are you hearing me? Saying that, hey, God can do what he wants any old time. No, the word of God said, as I read earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, that he's looking for fellow workers. Fellow, you as a Christian are God's building. See, the church, the church is not this building, this physical building, this prop. This is the church. If you're a Christian, you are the church. 
or member, a member of the church. Are you hearing me? All right. So, you can see how powerful prayer is in God's kingdom. Next, a prayerless Christian will miss out on revelation from God's word. Go to, uh, go to Psalm 119.18. Psalm 119, verse 18. You will miss out on awesome revelation apart from praying and asking for it. 119.18. The psalmist said this. He said, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things in your law, in your word. Open my eyes. I mean, simple prayer. Have you as a Christian, have you ever said, Lord, open my eyes to the wonderful things in your word? Before you sit down and read it, have you ever done that? I want to challenge you to do that. And I want you to notice how the Holy Spirit moves on your devotion time. And how he will show you how to, how to apply scripture to your everyday life. I'm telling you, you, simply ask. Just ask him. We must ask and pursue God for more revelation. It's not, it's not just going to fall on us. We need to pursue revelation, wisdom, and knowledge from his word. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me show you this. Ephesians 1. I dare you to ask that. Next time you go to read the word of God, say, Lord, open my eyes. Open, open my spiritual eyes, open my spiritual ears, give me revelation and understanding of your word. All right, Ephesians 1, 15 through 18. Listen to this. Therefore, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians, or the Christians at Ephesus. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Okay, so Paul's saying, all right, that's awesome, you got saved. All right. Now, this is what I'm gonna pray for you, the new believer for. You ready for this? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Here he goes on. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And it goes on. You can read it for yourself. But Paul understood the principle and the importance of praying for more wisdom and revelation of God's word. Hey, I'm going to challenge you. Before you go and read the Word, exercise your authority a little bit. Say, say I re, right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just speak it out. And Lord, give me wisdom, revelation. I'm telling you, I just know it. If you will do this and you will seek God for more revelation, I, I guarantee you, you will come back to me and say, Pastor James, I, what you said is right on. 
my eyes are open to scripture. I never understood this scripture. The Holy Spirit showed me what this means and how to apply it to my life. I'm telling you, I'm challenging you to do that. I just feel the Holy Spirit giving us the invitation and an exhortation to do that today. A prayerless Christian, which kind of ties into this revelation thing, a lack of revelation. A prayerless Christian will often misunderstand God's ways. Often, a prayerless Christian will misunderstand God's ways. Go to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, I want to look at. Powerful. God says this, call to me. Uh, That means prayer. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know what that's called? Revelation. He will give you in revelation. That's implying that, I mean, if you, let's look at this again. And let's just look at the opposite of this scripture. Uh, If you don't call to me, I won't answer you, and I won't show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. See, sometimes to get better light and understanding of a scripture, just Kind of flip it around a little bit like that. You hear me? But the scripture is implying that if we don't pray or call out to God, he will not show us great and mighty things. How many of you want to see great, know great and mighty things? How many of you know, want to know the secret things of God? Oh, hallelujah. The secrets, the keys of the kingdom to release his power and glory. I'm telling you, there's so much more we need to go into. See, it's the praying Christians that will be in tune with and flow with God's Spirit. A prayerless Christian many times will mess up God's plans. Have you ever noticed that? You see people, and this is, when I was talking about prayer, when we, when we had times of prayer and prayer nights, I wasn't being a stickler about you guys coming to prayer just to be a stickler and, oh, I want you here. No, it's because when we, when we join corporately, our hearts begin to knit together. Are you hearing me? Our hearts begin to knit together and there becomes a unity. You see what I'm saying? And and that's why, because because then we will all be able to move forward and flow with God's Spirit together. Not, you see, I don't like this trash when God begins to move and then offenses rise up. People don't, well, well, that's too radical. Yeah, but it's God. But you don't understand that. Are you hearing me? A prayerless Christian will misunderstand God's ways. Are you, do you follow that now? Do you hear pastor's heart on that? Are you hearing? That's why. That's why I was pushing it so hard. All right, now, um, uh, an example of someone who, who misunderstood God's ways was Peter. When Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to die on third day, I'm going to raise, you know, I'm going to have this horrible death. Peter said, oh no, Jesus. <laughs> oh no. There's no such thing's going to happen. Or not, I'm not going to let anyone take you and, and, and kill you. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Ooh, man, can you imagine how Peter felt when that happened? <laughs> 
What happened? Peter couldn't perceive the wisdom of God. Are you hearing me? All right, chew on it. Go to uh, Exodus 33. Let's take look at an example of Moses here. Exodus 33. I'm very close to finishing up. All right. Uh, Exodus 33, 12 through 14. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you, you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, Moses said to God, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Moses understood Okay, God, I'm not seeing your wisdom in this. Show me what you're doing. Prayer, communication with God. If I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, Moses, like I said, he could not understand. He, he wasn't able to, in his natural mind to comprehend God's will or plan in this situation. So he asked God, God, show me. Show me your way. I have no idea what you're trying to do here. And by the way, this is the same context here is where Moses asked God to show him his glory. Remember when Moses said... Moses cried out to God, God, show me your glory. There was such a yearning in Moses' heart to go deeper and to know God more, to know him more. He said, God, show me. Show me your glory. Let me tell you this. When the glory of God manifests in our midst or in your personal life, revelation comes with it. Understanding comes with it. You'll know when the glory manifests in your life. You, you'll, you'll go higher. You'll go higher spiritually. You'll have more understanding of things. You'll be able to see things clearly. But the glory of God will not manifest in our life apart from, from prayer and fellowship with God. Are you hearing me? Next. A prayerless Christian will be in bondage to fear and worry. A lack of fellowship and intimacy with God will always breed worry and fear in your life. Go to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. Very popular passage here. Someone needs to hear this. Amen. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Says this. Be anxious. You could say fearful. Be fearful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's talking about prayer here. So what's the result of that? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, finally, brethren, what, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a 
good report. If there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Guys, it all goes back to the thought life. What are you, what's in your mind? What are you thinking about all the time? What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on, those, on the fear, worry, doubt, unbelief? Or are you thinking on things like what the Bible's telling you to think of? Are you meditating, thinking upon that good report? You know, in one of the healing services, I, the Holy Spirit showed me something kind of cool. I said to the people, I said, one thing you need to overcome to receive your healing. I, 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 I've asked people, I, I say, can you see yourself well? In other words, someone maybe in a wheelchair. I say, can you see, can you imagine yourself, can you picture yourself walking? Can you picture yourself out of that wheelchair and running? And some say, no, I can't. I said, well, that's where the thought life comes in. We got to renew your mind here on this thing. Are you hearing me? People who say, yes, yes, I can. Those are the people where the faith is just so strong in them. Man, they're the ones who receive like that. Are you seeing the connection here with the thought life, how important it is? A prayerless Christian will be in bondage to worry and fear. But a constant and meaningful prayer life will give place for the peace of God that passes all understanding to invade our heart. The Bible says, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians, it actually says pray without ceasing. Someone says, well, what do you mean pray without ceasing? How am I supposed to live, live a normal life if I always got to be in prayer? It's simply talking about communication with God. I mean, driving your car. God, good morning, God. How are you doing? Man, I just praise you. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. God, you know the needs, but you know what? Your word says to, to bring it to your remembrance. God, you know, my family really is in need of such and such. God, I pray that you would release that thing into my family right now in Jesus' name. You watch. I am serious. Some of you think, well, that's just kind of name it, claim it stuff. No, it's called Bible stuff. Are you hearing me? Now, my last point here. I talked about things, a prayerless Christian, what, what you will forfeit in your personal life, really, being prayerless. But now, my last point, the major point, the point that is so heavy on the heart of God the major loss for the kingdom of God due to our prayerlessness is that evangelistic work on this earth will be hindered. Go to Matthew chapter 9. We need to put things in perspective, guys. You know, yeah, I, I know, I know you, you get so worried about and wrapped up about that bill that's sitting on your thing. But guys, I'm telling you right now, there's people who are dying and going to hell right now, even as we sit here. We need to get our priorities, our thinking in line here with the priority of God. And this is one of it, one of the major one here. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples or followers or Christians, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Jesus continues, pray the Lord of the harvest or pray to God to send out laborers into the harvest. I want you to notice something right now, guys. That this scripture reveals that there is not a problem with the harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. It's huge out there on this earth. But the laborers are few. And then he goes on to tell us to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest. That, this implies, again, just take the opposite. This implies that laborers will not be sent into the harvest unless we specifically pray for that to come to, come to pass. Now, many Christians don't even witness or talk to unbelievers about Jesus like they should, let alone, let alone pray for laborers to be sent. You know, some, some of you might be saying, or in the past you've had it, you're, you're like, man, for some reason, Africa keeps coming to my mind. What's that mean? Man, or, or, or a certain nation keeps coming to your mind. Man, Guatemala. Guatemala keeps coming into my mind or something like that. Well, it could be the Holy Spirit telling you to pray that laborers would be sent to those areas. Are you hearing me? See, there are multitudes of unbelievers on this earth. They're, they're waiting to hear the gospel message. They're waiting to see the hope of Jesus Christ in the power of God. They're waiting. It says the harvest truly is plentiful, Jesus said. The problem is not with the harvest. It's with the laborers. It was like that when Jesus walked this earth, and it's like that now, over 2,000 years later. Now, some will say, well, most people have heard about Jesus no, you, you want to know what they've heard? Most people have got an earful of junk, religious junk, and they've heard about a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's what people have heard. But what about us who carry the Word of God? We know God's healing power. We know God's a deliverer. We know He's a blesser. We need to be the ones going out there telling them about the Jesus of the Bible. They've gotten an earful of junk, of religious garbage that has no power to change their lives. Are you hearing me? Now, just take a moment right now. I want you to feel the heartbeat of God on this issue. Close your eyes right now. I want you to feel the heartbeat of God on this. The harvest is ready. Unbelievers, they're ready to take that step. They need the planters. They need the waterers to go out. And we simply need to bring the harvest in. That Jesus can receive the fullness of his reward of 
who he died for on that cross. Who he shed his blood for. For them. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People make their decision to forsake the provision that God has provided through Jesus Christ. So those unbelievers are ready to get saved. But some of these people will end up going to hell for eternity because a Christian didn't pray for that person or didn't personally confront them with the message of the gospel themselves. I heard of a story, a, a, a guy who wrote a book who gave his testimony. He went to bed one night. His dad was an unbeliever, and, and he was getting so frustrated with his dad because his dad was so hardened against the gospel message. So the, the guy said, forget it, I'm not going to pray for him anymore. It's done. I'm not even going to give him another thought. And the guy went to bed. And that guy had a dream of his dad in hell. Screaming in flames. Screaming. And the dad was saying this, why did you stop praying for me? I was so close to making Jesus Lord of my life and now I'm here for eternity in hell. Why did you stop praying for me? The guy woke up the next morning and said, God, forgive me. He continued to pray for his dad, talked to his dad about it. His dad finally got saved. God was giving him a glimpse of the future if he would have stopped praying for his father and stopped witnessing to his father. I'm telling you, folks, I, I mean, I, I just, thoughts, I, I, when I'm sitting and thinking of this stuff, I think, I, I just can't imagine, I, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my beautiful children running and playing, and I can't imagine my, one of my children in hell for eternity one day. I look at my, uh, you know, my family members, other family members, it, I, it boggles, I, I just, it, I can't comprehend it, the pain of a family member who, man, don't you just want to spend the rest of your eternity with, in God's presence with all your family members? Huh? I mean, in, in bliss, in paradise, heaven one day. Don't give up praying for those unsaved loved ones. Don't stop sharing the gospel message. When they reject you, you don't take it personally. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what lies beyond the other side without Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? We need, there, there's just too many Christians who are, who are not praying for, for the people or personally confronting them with the gospel message. But that, my friend, will not be said of Revival Christian Center because right now, I am that laborer coming to you if you're an unbeliever in here right now. I am that laborer that God has sent to you today. Today is the day of salvation. Let's stand in this place right now. God, if you are an unbeliever in this place, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. That, that is the mercy and grace of God, listen to me, that you even step foot in here today. It is the grace and mercy of God that you still have breath in your lungs. You still have an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. 
on judgment day, I don't want you coming to me and saying, Pastor James, I was in your church on January 6th, 2008, and you never gave me an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of my life. Now I'm in here in flames, tormented for eternity. That won't be said, friend, of James Brandt. If you're here, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you just to come forward. I want to pray with you. I personally want to pray with you today to make him Lord of your life. Well, all that Bible stuff, that's just, just fairy tale stuff. Friend, it, it's real. And my thing to you is, what if we're right? What if the Bible's right? Which it is. Are you hearing me? It's right. You better believe it's right. It's the truth. And it's only the truth that can set you free. Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. If you're an unbeliever, I want you to come forward and make, make him Lord of your life today. If you're, you said the sinner's prayer a long time ago, you, but you've fallen away from Christ, you're one of those. You're one of those who have fallen away from him. You've gotten out of fellowship. You're one of those that you absolutely have no boldness in your prayer life because you're walking in condemnation. You're walking in condemnation. I want you to come forward and I want you to rededicate your life today. Come on, this is serious stuff, folks. Don't pass this opportunity up. Don't be embarrassed. This is a family atmosphere here. Amen? You need to come forward. The Bible says that angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. Come on. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You're a believer, you love the Lord, but there's, you, you just feel like there's something missing in your life. It's the Holy Spirit baptism. That's what it is. And if you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you to receive the fullness of everything that God has for you. To walk in the power and authority combined. Amen? Maybe you're in this place, you have a physical infirmity, emotional infirmity. Uh, it feels, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, there's someone in here who's on the verge of suicide. Someone in here who has really been contemplating taking your own life. You need to come up for prayer. That's, that's, that's a, a demon tormenting your mind. You need to be set free today. Those things, I want you to come forward. Don't be embarrassed. Come forward. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, rededication, Holy Spirit baptism, and healing. The rest of you worship the Lord right now. Close your eyes, everyone. Just close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord. Just focus on the Lord right now. Those of you, come forward. Make Jesus Lord of your life. You need the blood of Jesus to wash your sin away, to make you a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. You'll never be the same. Never be the same. Hallelujah. Jesus, praise you. Someone, someone, you're feeling that pricking in your heart. 
you're feeling a nudge to move out of that into that aisle to come forward don't ignore don't ignore the prompting of the holy spirit come forward come forward in the name of jesus make him lord of your life get set free today from satan's grip
last call, last call. If you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, you want to rededicate your life. Holy Spirit baptism and healing, deliverance, anybody else will wait on you. made Jesus Lord of your life, some reason you're just embarrassed to come forward, I want you to pray this with me. Everyone pray this. Say, God, I am a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of your glory, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross, shed his blood, for me he rose again from the dead Jesus is alive right now and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life thank you Heavenly Father for forgiving me you are my Heavenly Father I put my faith hope and trust in you fill me baptize me with your Holy Spirit fill me to overflowing and may I never be the same again in Jesus name amen give the Lord a hand hallelujah oh hallelujah God is up to something God is up to something. I'm telling you, it's, it's just a matter of time. I tell you, I'm still hold, clinging on to that prophecy from Brother Rodney Howard Brown that he gave to me in Jacksonville. Amen? There's going to be an outpouring. That which we are seeking after and desiring from God shall surely come to pass. Amen? Come back Wednesday, the video series, Youth, everything's back on this Wednesday. God bless you.